Good morning. Try as I might every week, I'm always, I get entangled in my mask and my mic. My name is Sarah Soboleski. I'm the Director of Outreach and Families here at Church of the Palms. Just delighted to see you on this second Sunday of Easter. Good morning. A um, couple of announcements. First, as we continue to ensure that everyone who wants the vaccine has the opportunity to do so, we appreciate you continuing to observe the protocols we have in place, the safety protocols. And if you or anyone you love and know is having difficulty signing up to receive the vaccine, uh, we're asking that they reach out to Susan Neisler, who's sitting right there in her pretty orange pants, and she is helping connect people. So on the other side of this, if you would like to help people in our community who are struggling with registration, you can reach out to Susan as well. So whether you are looking to get the vaccine or you're looking to help people sign up to receive it, you can reach out to Susan. And we're just going to do what we can anyway to ensure that if someone wants the vaccine, that the technology part of it isn't what's keeping them from, from doing so. Other good news this week, Tai Chi has begun. I have it from a very good source that it was awesome. It was on this last Wednesday at 2.30 in the Palm Center. It's a very gentle physical exercise. It's appropriate for all ages, and it's said to help with stress and anxiety, which sounds just about right, I think. Um, it will continue on Wednesdays, 2.30, $5 per class. Registration is also still open for Be Still, Be Well, which is April 24th. It's a one-day woman's retreat with movement and yoga and worship and Bible study. So if you haven't already, there are still opportunities to register to participate in that. If you are going to do so, please reach out to Susan again as she can give you a code to give you a discount on that registration. That same day, April 24th, at 8 a.m., we will premiere our next Tize service. Jen Biev, who is our director of music in the contemporary service, has put together these really beautiful, um, uh, reflective, prayerful Taze services. So there's a whole library of them on there, which you can enjoy, but there'll be a new one um, that premieres on the uh, 24th at 8 a.m. on YouTube, Facebook, and the website. That same week, on April 28th at 6 p.m. in the Palm Center, we're having trivia night so you can exercise your brain. Um, and it's free. You do need to RSVP. Masks are required. They'll, they'll do distancing and all the things. Um, but uh, you can reach out to Susan to RSVP for that event, which is supposed to be great fun. Finally, on May 10th at 6 p.m., the Race in the Church group will be gathering on Zoom to discuss a new book called How to Fight Racism. It's written by a, an author named Jamar Tisby, How to Fight Racism, as they have that continuing conversation about how we as a church can more meaningfully be working towards racial reconciliation. So as we gather here every Sunday, you may not be super aware of what's happening behind you, which I think is a good thing, um, but there's an awful lot happening back there in the booth with Mike McCullough and his team. And so our uh, Matt Liddell put together a wonderful video to give you a window into what happens every Sunday morning to enhance our worship experience and make possible the worship experience online in our contemporary service. So please enjoy this short video.
this is a contemporary service, and for uh, the tech that's needed for uh, doing this is quite different from the traditional service. The nature of what we do is different. Our, our uh, music, our instruments are different. Uh, what's needed to make those instruments uh, come uh, alive on video, uh, even in the service, is different. When we started cameras after COVID, we had to put in place what would work in our environment, which is different than the sanctuary. And our environment actually works better by having remote cameras. We control our cameras using joystick. We have three cameras uh, that allow us to be able to get uh, a picture or a view from the proper angle so that you can have an idea of what really is taking place here. You get a feel for what the room feels like. We also then need to feed sound into that video system, which is done on the mixer behind me. We have words that we do on our video. That comes through on one computer. And then we have the words that go up on the screen. And for the singers, uh, that goes on another computer. It takes uh, quite a few people up here to make all that happen. We do lighting as well. So we're actually programming and controlling lights for different colors, different locations. But the end result is that you're able from home or wherever you are to feel like you're a part of our worship service. Our trust and belief is that what we do is going to help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We want you to be able to worship at home. We want you to be able to um, hear the service and be a part of everything we do. job on the video guys.
again. Hi again. If you would like to um, make a, a contribution to Church of the Palms in our shared ministry here, there are a number of ways you can do so, which are on the screen. Basically, we're flexible, whatever works best for you. Uh, you can do it online, through your phone, or by a good old-fashioned check. Who still has a checkbook? I do. Yeah. Anybody with kids, probably. I'm going to write the school a check every other day, it would seem. Um, and now is the time where we get to pray for and with one another. So I have Gianna and Olivia. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Oh, oh yeah. Wait, sit. No. Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm a senior at Venice High School. Hi, I'm Gianna, and I'm a junior at Venice High School. So these wonderful young women will bring the mic to you if you have something that we might lift up in prayer to God today. What might we pray for? Continued prayers for Myanmar. We've mm-hmm. prayed for them before, yeah. but it's ongoing, so. Thank you, Sue. I know Pastor Mingy means a lot to all of us, but to Pastor Mingy's family so close to that. What else might we pray for this morning? All right, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we read in Scripture that you know us before we are even born. And so we know, Lord, that you know what is on our hearts. And yet, Lord, we lift up to you today these prayers, spoken and unspoken, that you might see them and reassure our hearts that you have known that you are there, that you are already at work, and that you might build in us a faith that trusts in your care for us and your attention to our hearts and our prayers. We pray, God, for peace in the world, peace in our country, peace in Myanmar, that we might love one another well as your son so perfectly modeled for us. And we pray, God, that by lifting up these prayers today, we might know and love one another better. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, for those of you who don't know me, I am Bruce Porter, and I'm pinch-hitting for Steve today. I was here for 20 years, and uh, during that 20 years, we started something called a contemporary service right here. So um, I remember that well. I retired, though, 18 years ago, so I am somebody who was. Okay, this morning I have two texts for you today from the scriptures. Pick that up. The first one goes back to Good Friday. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were watching a great stone being rolled up against the tomb where she supposed 
where she knew Jesus was. And we read in the English version, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there facing the tomb. And they went away sadly. Now let's leap ahead to Easter Sunday. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there, sitting there on, a Sunday, on Easter Sunday morning. And the women were coming to the tomb with oils and spices in order to uh, anoint Jesus, what they thought was lifeless body. They were wondering how to roll the stone away. And two strangers in dazzling clothes said, uh, he's not here, he is risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And we read these words from the Phillips translation of the Bible. The women turned their backs on the grave and ran and told the eleven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words spoken here in the thoughts of our hearts and what our memories take away this morning be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Well, it's been hard to celebrate Easter this year. We think, the, think back to many other Easter Sundays, which meant bumper crowds and mass choirs and festive celebrations. In fact, uh, in past Easter's, one of our staff would come to the microphone at all three services and say, uh, folks, if there's a space next to you, either in your pew or on a chair, would you move over and make room because we have people waiting outside. <laughs> this Easter we said, that won't work. Stay six feet away from each other, put a mask on. Don't sing, don't sing any of the, any of the the songs that you're supposed to sing. So it's different this year. It's been a little bit of a downer. And what some of you don't remember and what you may forget is that the Sunday after Easter was a rather average Sunday too. That's this Sunday. The preaching pastor was gone uh, after having lived through all those services of Holy Week and, and Easter. Attendance was down after Easter, along with the enthusiasm. One of my friends in seminary said to his congregation on Easter Sunday, he said, folks, if you want to see the empty tomb, come next week. <laughs> Whoever it was back in history who decided to name all the special days in the church year uh, must have had a little bit of humor in his heart because he named this Sunday Low Sunday. In one of the Peanuts cartoons, Charlie Brown says he doesn't want life to have its ups and downs. He wants to have life to have its ups and bigger ups and bigger ups. Except that isn't the way life is. It was difficult to celebrate Easter and this service too. I think after Easter this year. But because of that, precisely because of that, I think it's necessary this morning that we be able to celebrate Easter in a, if not emotional way, in a realistic and honest way. 
After all, the first Easter didn't have a great lot of, lot of people and a lot of activity going on. There weren't mass crowds and, and pomp and circumstance. The first Easter didn't have it at all. Some fellow wrote, he said, you know, there were not 7,000 people standing behind rocks waiting for Jesus to come out of the tomb. It just didn't happen that way. What happened were there were two women, two close friends of Jesus, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who had gone to the tomb and then spoke to a few disciples about it. So it's not a big day originally at Easter. And of course, the reason we gather on Sunday instead of the Jewish Sabbath is simply that the early church said, you know, the day we should worship ought to be the day of the resurrection. It ought to be Sunday. Realize that the early church did a significant thing. They broke one of the commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath day is Saturday. And the early church said, we really need to celebrate the day of the resurrection. So that every Sunday becomes a remembrance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But most of all, the reason I want to get beyond just emotion today is that one week isn't enough to celebrate victory uh, over defeat and life over death. It's something we need to celebrate more often. I think it was, uh, I think it was Chesterton who said, you know, we cannot, we cannot lower our faith to being just being kind to Granny and the cat. It's got to be a little more than that. It's got to be something that includes life and death and life again. So this morning I'm going to take those two texts that I mentioned to you earlier and I'm going to put them side by side. Both concern these women friends of Jesus, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and both texts tell it precisely as it is for us in the 21st century. The first scene is Good Friday, and pictures these two women who are grieving there beside this borrowed tomb. And they're just waiting to see that maybe that stone may be rolled away, as it was. And we read they were sitting there facing the grave. They had come, you know, to anoint a dead body. They were sitting there facing the grave. And so do we all at every committal service where a priest or a pastor says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And then there's a second scene. It's the Easter scene. It's the reverse. Striking in its turnabout. turnabout. The women come on Sunday at dawn because women are doing something that they tended to do those days. And that is, they came to bring oil and spices to anoint the dead body. They come and they see the stone is rolled away. They come to find that life isn't locked in. They come to see two dazzling strangers that say to them, quit looking for the living among the dead. He is not here, he is risen. And then we read in the Phillips translation, and they turned their backs on the grave and went and told all this to the disciples. They sat there facing the grave, then they turned their backs on the grave. 
Now, isn't this the human posture in all of our lives? In every age and every century. It's always the human posture. Let's look at these. First, facing the grave. Have you noticed that our age has tried everything it can to not talk about death at all in the hope that it might disappear? We refuse to talk about death in the hopes that the fact it may go away. Sometimes we try to pass off the truth of it with humor, except that it's, it's kind of like a, like a kid telling a dirty story in a locker room. It doesn't quite make it. Or we pretend by calling death something else. We call it passing away. Or we talk about sleeping. Sometimes we even, we even build death as a friend that is wholesome and cheerful, except it never really is at the graveside, is it? The sentiment is hollow, particularly when it is someone young who sleeps, and particularly when it's someone who is in the midst of life and has great adventure ahead of him and is cut off. Faith will have none of this. Far better is the honesty of the pagan who sees the grave as, as something that is our ultimate enemy. St. Paul said, it's the final enemy. It's the enemy who, who takes loved ones away from us. It's the enemy that cuts down life and separates us. It's the enemy that causes us to understand personal extinction and our nothingness. It's a turnstile to which all we turn. Lawrence Fer Ferlinghetti is a poet from Brooklyn. And uh, he, he wrote his poetry not as a Christian, but as a pagan, but he writes it very well. He says this, he says, the world is a beautiful place. Yes, the world is the best place of all for a lot of such things, such as making the fun scene and making the love scene and making the sad scene and, and singing low songs and having inspirations and walking around and looking at everything and smelling flowers and kissing people and making babies and wearing pants, and wearing, waving hats and dancing, and going swimming in rivers, and on picnics in the middle of the summer, and just generally living it up. Yes, but right in the middle of that comes the smiling mortician. And they sat there facing the grave. Our faith doesn't sidestep that. There's no pretending. That's not being morbid any more than the psalmist was. And the psalmist uh, says, man, and he could have said man and woman, man and woman are like grass, and they die. And he adds this positive note, by the way, if you note the song. He says, teach us then to number our days. As the commercial says on television, uh, we only go around this life once, so let's live it with gusto. But let us finally decide in this life what gusto really is. God help us to spend our days as we should, so that we learn to love people and not things. As someone has said, have you noticed that there are no luggage racks on a hearse? We should be loving people, not just things. And let the numbering, number, numbering of our days be our opportunity to kiss the joy as it flies by. Let those be an impetus for us so that we, 
we choose worthy priorities so that we don't major in minors in our life. Let us be sure that the gusto that we're talking about is, is the kind of gusto, you know, that Jesus was talking about when he talked about life with a capital L. Man is like grass and he dies, affirms the psalmist. And that part of the mortal human situation before God, because God is the only eternal. It is absolutely normal and necessary for us to, to sorrow for those whom we've lost for a while. It is actually the way we should care when we are left lonely. It's normal and it's human and it's Christian. It would be cruel to not prepare you for this and to prepare you for the threat of it. Because only then do we know what we have at stake on any Sunday when we come to worship. What we have at stake is everything. What we have at stake is everything. Only after this truth then are we going to be surprised by the next scene and are we going to, to wait and rely on God to turn the tables, which he does. Because the springtime isn't going to do it. Lilies, all the lilies we have are not going to do it. All of our talk about passing away won't accomplish it. All of our cliches that we use don't change it. It is only our God who does amazing things. It's only God who, who uh, wins over grim death and who brings the dawn. Well, now I think we're ready for a different posture for Easter and the Easter season that follows. Because we're saying that God broke through death, he defanged it, he overcame its power, he took the sting out of it. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary turned their backs on the grave and ran for joy. What I'm trying to say this morning is this, it is possible in a very profound sense for you and me to begin living to begin living now with the terror and the power of the grave behind us. Not just for a week, but for a season and for a year and for a lifetime. Why? Because the grave couldn't hold Jesus and it won't hold the people we love. Because God who created us once is going to recreate us again. Because, says Jesus, there's something, there is something like a perfect home waiting for us and for those whom we love. Because, says Jesus, God loves us not just for a minute, not, not just for the twinkling of an eye, not, not just for three score years and ten, but he loves us eternally. We have Christ's word on it. You see, love isn't eternal if it's dead. We have Christ's resurrection event on it, even if flowers don't bloom, even if it should rain on a Sunday that we come to worship. In fact, we have the existence of the church as a proof of that. We don't explain the resurrection. The resurrection explains why we're here. Easter is what we're doing here a Sunday later. Christians now ought to be able to live with the grave behind them. You can be free of panic and dread. We don't deny death, we say it has been defeated. We don't try to escape it, we say that there is a victory over it. You know, when I was a boy, there used to be a soap opera. Soap opera on the radio. Some of you remember radios. 
used to be a soap opera on the radio that had a sequel every, every day, weekday, in the, in the week. And at each, each broadcast, it would be introduced this way. Here is another chapter in the continuing story of Stella Dallas. It's something like that we celebrate as Christians. Today is another episode in the continuing story of Mr. and Mrs. Christian who live with a future open and with a future full of surprises. And if we could just know the details, if we had the details, which we don't, but if we had the details, we would know the continuing story of those whom we've lost a while, who wait for us and ask us to join them in what is the greatest adventure the world has ever known. Well, you know, this past week I was standing out in the Memorial Garden here, I was looking at those names of those people. I was here for 20 years, and I saw a lot of those people that I knew and loved, their names are on that wall. But have you ever noticed what's at the top of that wall? The one right there on the chapel. It's a statement by Jesus. It says, Jesus says, because I live, you will live also. Do you believe that? So this morning, all that's left is to ask you, are you going to live today and tomorrow as if that were true? We trust deep inside of you that life is not a dead-end street, that it's, it's, it's an open thoroughfare. Will we finally affirm once and for all that we own nobody, not our father or mother, brother or sister, not even our husband or wife. They are gifts to us for a time. And when that time is over, we need to be able to trust them to a loving God who accepts them in his hands. Will you live every morning as if it were dawn, as if God were going to make you new? Will you be open to Jesus Christ, who is not yesterday's ideal? He cares less about that. But as today's Lord, who calls you and me into whatever Galilees are ours, whatever opportunities there are for service. I suppose what I'm saying this morning is acted out by those musicians there on Basin Street, now in New Orleans. It's where the blues were born. And I'm told when one of the numbers of those musicians dies, they walk, slowly walk in procession to the grave. They play in that cortege the sad songs its mournful beat all the way to the grave. The horns are sort of wailing, if you wish. Ah, but on the way back. They're playing those horns like crazy. They're playing when the saints come marching in. They're swinging and they're high-stepping and they're playing it full. And they're playing it all the way home. And why not? They're marching with the grave behind them. Let us pray. Almighty God, help us to go with wonder, peace, and joy with our backs to the grave. And help us to live now in the hope and promise we have in Jesus Christ, who died for us, and lives for us in eternity. Grant that we may love those close to us. 
that we may love our enemies who disdain us, and then walk in the days which are ahead with the living Lord, in whose name we pray, amen.
bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His light of His countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and then forevermore. Amen.